This. This is, this is Diversified, Diversified Game. 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 A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. Tyson. When you're going against the odds, you've got to be creative, you've got to innovate, you've got to stand out. And AL. Focus more on execution and application and less on excuses. So let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen. And of course, AL. And today's guest, you guys better have your ears listening or at least rewind because we have a special guest. If you like TV shows on house hunters, house hunting, especially internationally, you'll know our guest as the man with the perfect beard. But he's not just on HGTV. He also, I'm going to call him the Lord of the UK in being a landlord and property expert. We have Sir Richard Blanco. How are you doing? (laughs) Thank you very much. Yes, what a wonderful introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, we we try, we try. And I, I tell you, I watch your show and I don't even have cable. I haven't had cable in seven years, right? But I watch everything online. And when I see you, I'm just going to jump right into it because I always like to ask, you know, my first question is, how do you get your beard so full and just grown? Like, and, and why did you shave it off? That's just my first. It has nothing to do with business question, Richard. <laughs> Well, I haven't shaved it off. Actually, I I didn't used to have a a beard. I just had a bit of stubble. So you might have seen some older shows where I had some stubble. Um, And then I thought, you know, I really fancy growing a beard because they got quite fashionable in East London where I live. Um, And so I grew it. And there's there's some great beards uh, or barbers here. Um, And uh, I found a barber in Shoreditch, which is sort of of hipster central or or was a few years ago, really, uh, in East London. And um, there are some amazing beards in there. And basically what I do is um, I time the trimming of my beard to the day before we shoot one of the episodes. So I always make sure it's kind of perfectly shaped for the show. (laughs) So I managed to maintain this illusion that I always have this perfectly shaped beard, you see. (laughs) Nice. Yes. Okay. Okay. And and I was going off. I went to the richardblanco.com website and on that picture it has, you know, um just the 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 I said he shaved his beard. Who would why would he do that? For those of us I can't grow a beard that full. So I'm kind of like, you know, did he at least donate the hair to someone? Well, that that website's a bit out of date, actually. In fact, we've we've put together a new website. I'm hoping to launch it in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, that picture's uh, been there for for some time. Yeah. So the the thing is, when people start to know you for your beard, it then gets quite difficult to actually shave it off. So, so um, I don't know, you know, when that moment is going to come when I can shave it off. <laughs> but anyway, I'm enjoying having it at the moment still. Got you. What got what got you into real estate? Tell us the story. Yes. Well, actually, I mean, I'm originally from a dance and theater background. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've always been quite entrepreneurial. So I set up an art center in a, in a disused um, local authority or, or council building 
um, near the beginning of my career. And I, I've always really loved property. Uh, and I, I was director of that organization. Uh, and then I left because I got a bit bored of the bureaucracy and so on. And I was looking for a way of getting financial independence, I guess. Um, but also, um, you know, I liked property. I liked doing the finance stuff. I enjoyed working with people. So I, I thought property was a good route for that. Um, I was lucky because I bought an apartment in an area that was really going up. We had a period in London when real estate prices really rocketed. And so I bought an apartment quite cheaply. Um, I think I bought it for something like £74,000. Um, and, and that went up to about 230000 within about five or six years. So I took 100000 out of that. Um, by refinancing and use that to buy more property and that's how I've built my business really So my oh, wow. real estate work really is about me buying properties refurbishing them renting them out and then managing them um, and I, I don't actually manage uh, Properties for other people, but I do do searches You know and house hunts for for house hunters in Sashnal um, and I'm also kind of broadcaster in, in the UK, so I have a radio show and so on. And, and I do lots of talks on what's happening with the market, uh, et cetera. But yeah, that original um, uh, route into the business really was, you know, as often is the case, partly through chance and partly through a desire to, to have some sort of financial independence. Oh, wow, that's, that's impressive. Now, uh, Richard, just in terms of like your, your dancing theater background, was that something that you uh, grew like an affinity for from, from youth? Like how did you transition like, into dance theater? And then you told us about the transition from dance theater to, you know, entrepreneurialism, but how did you get your, get your steps in the arts, so to speak? Yes, I mean, I grew up, um, you know, had humble beginnings. My family came over from Spain um, and, uh, and settled in, in the north of England, actually. Well, in the Midlands. We call it the Midlands in Nottinghamshire. And I guess I was a bright kid and kind of education really was a route to um, out of that sort of low income and uh, I hesitate to use the word poverty, but, um, you know, I knew that if I worked hard at school, I would get a greater chance to do what I wanted to do. So I, I, I got the results that I needed to go on to university and I studied theatre at university um, and then I managed to persuade um, the local council to pay for my fees to go to dance college as well. So that's how I got into that. I guess I was always in the school plays. I was uh, I hosted a radio show on hospital radio. Um, you know, as a kind of natural kind of journalist type performer sort of person. Uh, and that was really was the route that I wanted to go in. So I didn't have theatrical parents or anything like that. Um, it, I, I was quite a, a feisty, independent-minded sort of person, I guess. <laughs> um, and in terms of going from that into more sort of entrepreneurialism, I think one of the challenges I had is I really wanted to be an artist. I really wanted to make work, make theatre work, make dance work. Um, but I was also a real kind of producer type, organizational type person. And there was, there's always been a struggle in, in me between the two. Um, you know, I start getting involved in something. I see it's not run very well. I start wanting to take it over. Then I start wanting to set up my own version of it. And that just comes very naturally. Um, one of my roots from, I guess, theater and dance to property was that I was doing 
given I'd set up an art centre, I then developed the skills really to be able to help other people. So I became a consultant uh, and helped people with business planning in the arts. And I was also very interested in diversity and promoting uh, equal opportunities and um, and diversity in, in businesses. So I became a trainer and coach as well in that area. Uh, and, and that started to give me a bit more financial security, certainly than the world of theatre and dance would have done. Wow. That's really good, man. Really good. Yeah. And, and, and for the people who, you know, they only see folks on TV and they say, wow, he went from theater to real estate to getting on TV. How do I do that? They may be a real estate person. They may be a plumber, but what are the steps to, you know, doing what you do professionally with thousands and thousands of people um, in your city do, but how did you make yourself stand out and, you know, get an opportunity to be on such a television show? And was it your first television show? Because you might be like Gordon Ramsay and have like 10 of them that we see, but we don't <laughs> see all of them in America. But when you go over to London, you're like, wait, this guy has 10 TV shows. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is uh, getting on TV. A lot of it is down to luck and being in the right place at the right time and all that kind of stuff that I'm sure you'll all be aware of. I, you know, I wanted to do more broadcasting work. And so I started doing some work for the National Landlords Association in the UK. And I knew that they did quite a lot of press work because housing and private rented properties were... Um, a kind of hot topic really and I got involved thinking I'd quite like to help with press work if they'll let me I mean it was just little old me at first and I thought maybe they won't want me to but after I'd been doing the job for a few years uh, they started to put me forward for press assignments and then you know that became quite regular and I would be on tv news shows and so on quite regularly just commenting on stuff and then I got onto a website called uh tvexperts.co.uk I think it was, I don't think it exists anymore but I just started sort of putting myself out there a bit more as someone who was happy to be a spokesperson I think getting websites as well is, is important, obviously that's just you know normal these days everyone's got them but uh, at that time you know making sure you had an online presence was important um, and then I just got a call from one of the producers on House Hunters asking if I'd like to work on a show um, and I was delighted to, and I guess, you know, making sure that you show a lot of enthusiasm, making sure you're really well prepared. I mean, that's always been something that I felt very strongly about, doing your research and being well prepared. I made brownies for all of the, the crew, actually, I remember, just because, you know, I wanted to make friends, I wanted to get involved, I wanted to show people that I was keen. And uh, then I got a call to do another one, and it just, the calls just kept coming in, I guess, so... Um, I think the thing is about being easy to work with um, on telly and being collaborative and helpful. And, you know, if, if you behave in that way, then people are much more likely to put in the call again and get you to get involved again. So, you know, a lot of that's important, too. So some of it's down to luck. Some of it's down to perseverance and, um, you know, positive thinking and putting out the right signals, I think, as well. True. Definitely. True. Yeah, definitely agree. And then, like, also, too, that, I mean, that speaks to who you are as a person. I mean, like, you've been, been here stepping on, stepping on the planet because of who you are and what you exude. You know, people are attracted to that. So that, I think that's a, definitely a plus for sure. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I, you know, I'm a great believer in sort of putting out positive energy and um, I'm, it's hard because I'm also impatient and I, I expect things to just kind of happen quicker than they do. And I've learned over the years that, you know, you might meet uh, a development producer about a TV idea and, and, and not hear back from them. But then two years later, they call you and say, I've got a meeting with this channel. Are you interested in coming along? And, you know, that's how it, uh, things often work in the TV industry, really. And it's, I guess it's about becoming more experienced and, and getting more aware of how the system works. But I, I've often got very impatient, really, with things taking a long time. And I, I think as entrepreneurs, we often, uh, if we're not the agent of, of making it happen, we get very frustrated when we've got to rely on other people to make things happen. So, you know, learning that patience as well can be important too, I think. Well, that's a great lesson for those listening that you made brownies for the crew. Um, because, you know, many people um, would say, well, you know, I need this, I need that, have a ridiculous rider um, because you're going to be on, on TV, you know, like, hey, I need brownies and I only want them gluten free today. Um <laughs> So they were gluten free, yeah. actually. They, were, they did happen to be gluten free. Wow! <laughs> it's just a, a very nice recipe that is gluten free. Yes, that uses uh, ground almonds instead of flour. Yes, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've always loved baking, actually. You know, and I would really love to do a baking show as well. So, in a way, I was, you know, yeah, I genuinely wanted people to have brownies and stuff. But I was also saying, you know, hey, I can do this as well. And if you, you know, if you're interested, let's let's do it. You know. So I guess it's, you know, we find ways of just um, uh, putting stuff out there, don't we, really? And, uh, you know, often there's so much people don't know about us because we don't reveal it or don't tell them. I find increasingly people are very interested that I've worked as a dancer in the past, you know, and that's something that people often latch on to. So I do tend to talk about that, you know, and um, if people want to run with it, then... I'm not sure I'm going to be um, out there doing any choreography in the next next few oh. months, but, you know, it, it's something I've got under my belt. That was going to be my next question. If, if you participated in any uh, any recent Internet dance challenges. Um, no, I haven't, no. And, in fact, you know, I was very much about what we would call creative and contemporary dance, so really about dance and theatre and performance art and rather than kind of, you know, jazz hands type stuff or ballroom dancing right, right. or um, so, uh, I mean, I can do that if I need to, but it's not really my strength, I think. I did do an interview recently, a Skype interview for a possible TV show with a friend who happens to be good at Greek dancing. So we were both asked to dance for the interview, which was, uh, you know, on Skype, which was a bit of a challenge, but <laughs> but we managed to do it. Well, we're we're I'm, we're TV people, and so when you say a baking show, I'm going to be talking about you. So when your ears are ringing, that's just me saying yes. <laughs> And, and wouldn't it be great to have, you know, mix all three of your passions in one show um, and being able to bake in the homes that you're renovating because you are a landlord and, you know, and also put the, the, the baking and dance. That would be, be awesome. Now, when people, you know, show, dancing, there's a lot of shows out there. Um, has anyone ever called you to say, hey, come sit and be a judge at one of our dance shows? 
no, they haven't. I mean, I could, certainly could do that. I, I feel like I'm a bit rusty, but um, no, no, they haven't. It's a straight answer to that. <laughs> but, you know, I'm open to all offers. I suppose, I mean, I'd see myself probably more as a theatre person, really. So I would love to do more acting and performance um, and and work more in that world. And in, in many ways, you know, the, the stuff that we do on reality TV although of course it's reality and it's actually happening there's a, there's an element of performance there and that's I did a masters actually in theater and I'm very interested in performance in everyday life and you know the relationship between the realtor and the customer is often there's a, a performative element there isn't there so you know I, I'm very interested in in all, in all of those aspects of performance uh, and theater uh, probably a bit more than dance if I'm honest so to mix all of those up, and 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 I wanna I wanna go back to that. But if I don't ask this question now, and I told Al this was like my signature question outside of the beard, you talked about your family origins in Spain. You are all over doing real estate, and that's what made me say, "Hey, he was just in London last week, and now he's in Spain doing property." Talk about how you're able to sell property in both. Is there like a European agreement? If you have a license to sell in one place, you can sell in another. Or you also um, have a second home and your family home in Spain. So you're licensed out there. Yes. I mean, I I manage my own properties as a a realtor. So I don't actually manage properties. or sell properties to other people, but I'm a property expert, so I use my expertise to source properties through contacts. And um, so I, I don't, I'm not licensed in that sense. And certainly in the UK, we actually don't have to be licensed as, as realtors. Um, so the system is um, much less regulated than the, in the USA. Um, but my knowledge really is based on kind of years of working in London as, as um, a property expert and managing my own portfolio and building up my portfolio through through development of properties and so on. And then in Spain, um, my expertise there really is through having lived in Spain for many years and sort of lived in Madrid and London. And also then I have quite a lot of contacts um, over there as well. So what I'm doing really is kind of working with my contacts there to find properties. Um, but there are people who, you know, have, have moved over to Spain to work as realtors. I'm not quite sure what the licensing situation is over there, if I'm honest. Um, it probably is quite a stretch to work in both countries full time. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a couple of hours flight, so people could do if they wanted to or perhaps work in Spain for a certain number of months a year and, and the UK for a certain number of months. Spain is one of those sort of hot destinations for Brits who want to go and live abroad and have some sunshine. It's probably a bit like people going from the USA to Mexico or something like that. Um, you know, people like the idea of living on one of the Spanish costas and on the coast. So there are big communities of, of Brits over there. So and I, I put it to the um, producers of House Hunters that I'd love to do some Spain shows if they were up for that. And um, so I have done three so far. I'm happy to do more as well. And, um, you know, we will do those where I can draw on my contacts over there and, and so on.
AL, did you hear him? He said there's no license needed. Like, that, my ears are still ringing. You have to have a license yeah. to be a braider out here in America. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. Well, yes. I mean, we've been at the opposite end of the spectrum in the UK in many ways because it's been a bit of a wild west, as, as it's been termed quite often being... We, we talk about letting agents and estate agents in the UK. Um, it is starting to be regulated now, and they've just brought some regulation in recently. And there is a sort of working party uh, looking at whether there should be full regulation within the next two or three years. So it is heading that way. But we've had lots of problems in the UK, and I, I, I offer this advice to Americans whenever they're coming over here to, to look for a place. There are lots of scams. There are agents that will take your deposit uh, and your first month's rent and then go bust and you lose all of your money. And so it, it, wow. it, it's quite tricky over here. There are some regulatory bodies that the best agents are members of. So I always say to people looking for property over in the UK, make sure you choose an agent that is a member of one of those bodies. And in fact, on my website, there is a fact sheet for Americans that are house hunting in the UK that uh, sort of outlines some of that information. So... That's that's a gem right there. That's a that's a good one right there, Cal. Yeah, yeah, and you know that's um that's something. Go to richardblanco.com, the description box, the in the description box, the emails there, and he has a new website coming out. Will it be the same um name, same domain name, Richard? Yes, exactly. It's just it, it'll look a lot more contemporary. We've just taken loads of new photos, some pictures of me filming house hunters, pictures of me doing radio shows and stuff. Yeah. So uh, the new website, it's it's just a question making it go live in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So it'd be the same domain name. Okay. Okay. So that's going to be the the site that you guys see Richard in the helicopter yelling at the people <laughs> saying that's your palace right there when he's selling like. <laughs> Now, we haven't made that show yet, but, you know, that's one of the, that's certainly one of the ideas that's in my, I have this stock of ideas that, you know, I keep talking to uh, development producers about. So hard to get stuff commissioned in telly, but um, we'll get there one day. Hopefully. Nice, nice, nice. So here's a question for you, Richard. Um, uh, we're not consulting, um, you know, the television projects. Like, what is some of your, what is your off time? What, what does that entail? Uh, sorry, what is the? Just repeat the question again. Oh, so yeah. What do you do when you're when you're not consulting folks? Um, you know, managing your properties, or like, are you a reader? Do you like like to watch TV? Maybe you're like a big video game player. Like the, the world wants to know. Like, what do you do when you're not doing your main? What thing? do I do? Well, I love traveling, so I've done quite a bit of travel recently. I've been to um, Lebanon and uh, Cairo in Egypt and went to Montreal uh, in the last six months or so. Um, so I'm really trying to kind of get to all the places I haven't been to. I, I go to Spain at least four times a year to spend time with friends and family. Um, I love baking. I like cycling. Um, I actually like kind of scribbling blogs and just reading and writing in, in cafes. We've got so many cool cafes in East London. And there's a few that I hang out in where I know, I just know if I hang out in there for a couple of hours, I'll bump into people and we'll get chatting. And um, so I love doing that. Um, but I'm not, uh, I watch a bit of TV, but I, I'm not much of a kind of, um, I don't like just lounging on the sofa. I like to be out there doing stuff, you know, being with people. Um, 
I'd love to have a boat, actually. At some point, I will get a boat so I can just uh, go up and down the canals in in the UK because we have some beautiful waterways here. Um, and I worry that I, I'm missing out on a lot of the beautiful countryside that we have in the UK as well. So, um, But I'm, I'm probably a little bit of a workaholic, I have to say. I'm always involved in a refurbishment, you know, a renovation or... Uh, uh, you know, I think when when you're running your own business, stuff comes up all the time when it's not expected, particularly if you're doing media work. You know, I, I think I'm not too busy next week, but I might suddenly get asked to do an episode of House Hunters because, you know, there's a, one that they suddenly need to do. And maybe the realtor that they've got can't do it anymore or something like that. So, you know, uh, I often get asked to do things last minute. But, um, yeah, I should be out on my bike this weekend um and enjoying that so you know outdoor stuff going to the gym of course and uh, uh i do like a good dinner party i have to tell you <laughs> nice nice that sounds good to me no no problems there love it now, now you had mentioned you know we know tv has to be produced or it wouldn't be tv that people want to watch but do the producers or is this just how, you know, people are say, do you always have to show them something that is outside of the budget? Because, you know, you trap Americans when you do that, because most Americans can't say no to food, can't say no to spending. Um, so is it is, you know, is it one of those things in real estate where you kind of have to show people especially I'll say Americans, because I don't see Canadians do this as much. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but trying to show them something outside of their budget. So if they have 500,000, you show them, you know, 650. Yeah, I've worked mostly with Americans. We have had, uh, I think there are some Canadians, obviously people, uh, if people have partners from Europe and so on, they might appear on the show. So with most of the shows I'm doing, it's rentals. Um, and usually what I'm trying to do with the properties that I'm showing them is I'm trying to test their criteria as much as anything. Um, and we do try and look for contrasts, I guess, in, in what each of the couple wants, um, just to make the show a bit more interesting in many ways, you know, because um, if both of them wanted exactly the same and, you know, it would all be a bit boring to watch, really. So we do inevitably look for some of the, the contrasts in what they're looking for. And, you know, often budget is an issue and, you know, often they'll say we'd like a second bedroom, but we don't want to go over budget. So quite often what I'll do is I'll find a place that is, you know, has got that second bedroom that I know they'd love to have. And it's got the outdoor space and it's close to a park. Um, and yes, it is quite a bit over budget, but I'm really wanting to test um, whether they're prepared to stretch that budget to get that kind of dream home. Um, and then often we'll show something that's under budget at the other end of the spectrum. So I guess in many ways what I'm doing is I'm working with a spectrum really of uh, uh, where their budget is somewhere in the middle. Um, and I think that makes it more interesting for the viewers as well because um, who wouldn't say, hey, I would really rather have that dream home, um, but then it's over budget. And it, it means that we see the dilemma really. And I do like those dilemmas because it means we start to see some of the personalities unfold a bit more and we, um, you know, we find out what, what makes people tick. And I think that's, 
easily as interesting as looking around other people's houses. You know, that could get a bit boring. But if we're really unpacking what makes people tick, then I think we've got a more interesting show. That's how I always see it. On an average, um, how many homes do you have to show a person? We only get to see, you know, three or four at, at most on the HGTV but how many did you have to show? And are you showing them all or do they already kind of have their house picked out? That's the rumor, at least online, that people already have their house picked out. And, you know, but we're getting it straight from the source. How many homes? Because I'm I'm, I know my wife and I are a bother to find a home. We're going to go see two, more homes than I wouldn't want to show us if I was the agent. I'd say you guys are just what you want to see 10 <laughs> homes get out of here, you know, but how many are you usually showing? Yeah, I mean, it is the three. Uh, that's what we do. And that's the way it works. Sometimes they will have, uh, they may have seen other properties before we get to meet them. So they've got a sense of what's around and what's available. Um, and I guess it's just, I mean, you don't see very much of what we call the meet and greet, which is where I sit down with them and find out what they really want. So, you know, it's about really honing that down and making sure that you've got three properties that are really going to, you know, one of them is going to be one that they're going to choose. So that's how we try and do it. I mean, it, you have to remember that these are quite, uh, we, we work within a budget in terms of producing the show. So, you know, often we're flying crew over from the States and so on. So we have to try and make it work in the number of days that we've got and so on. So that's why we have to kind of restrict it to, to the three properties that they see. Oh, so, so folks, it really is three. There's all type of websites out there that say, Oh no, it's like this. It's like that. And, you know, so no, that's, that's interesting to know three, only those three. And, and have you ever had couples say, you know, um, whatever sometimes financing falls through they break up or jobs fall through where you you know you, they just don't even get to pick a home and so it's like an episode for the uh, archives um not on my particular shows no um i mean i think what's important for this show is that you know it does come to fruition and we see what they choose i mean there are shows in the uk that are a bit more open to um, house hunts that result in no resolution. If I think of, say, location, location, location in the UK, where sometimes they'll say, well, unfortunately, the couple decided they didn't want any of the properties that we showed them, and that's that. <laughs> but it, it makes for a real anticlimax. So, uh, you know, as far as I'm aware on this show, we only ever air the shows where the couples do actually choose one. Um, so, you know, that, 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 that's an important aspect of the show. Okay, there's also a rumor, and I this rumor is coming off my hotline just now, and so it's off the <laughs> Kellen hotline, uh, that <laughs> your trips to Lebanon and Egypt, that you want to focus more on House Hunter International Africa, so you're exploring, and that you might executive produce this. Is that true? And if not, why not? <laughs> <laughs> No, actually, I just uh, those were just leisure trips, actually, and uh, 
just to see friends as well. And I'd never been to Lebanon. I always wanted to go. Uh, it's a fascinating country, and I hadn't been to Egypt. But no, you know, I'd be very happy to, to um, you know, do a show about those areas. And I think house hunters just send people there. But um, the, obviously what tends to happen with house hunters is they use local realtors. Um, and it's not a presenter-led show. Um, you know, I'd love to do more shows that are presenter-led, where it's just me going wherever we go. But obviously, that would be a different kind of show to House Hunters. But with House Hunters, I'm happy to stick and be faithful to to the format. But no, I wasn't. Uh, I, I wasn't researching for a new show. But I'd be happy to go back and to research for one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I just I we we see you know HGTV has covered the whole world and we've seen a couple in Africa, but I say Africa is a booming market and let's not wait for China to come out with House Hunter the China edition and say hey we're here because I mean there's some beautiful homes and that's all that people really want to see they don't want to necessarily see you know just your 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 lower tier they want to see the beautiful homes and even you know the maids quarters and all that and one thing i i like when i watch house hunter international is when i hear a guy it's always a guy usually around 50 60 years old say i have no budget and that's when i want to say show him buckingham palace tell you know show <laughs> him <laughs> since he has no budget show him something that will make a great commission but um, do you find, who are your easiest type of um, clients when you are doing the house hunter? Um, I guess it's easier when uh, both people are on the same page um, as to what they're looking for. I tell you when it's easiest, when the couple are really tight and they're really uh, tight in the sense that they're close and they're, they, you know, they're, when the relationship is working well, I think when when there are cracks in the relationship, <laughs> they, those cracks tend to get amplified in the house hunt. Uh, that's something that interests me quite a lot, actually. And I have to be careful that I don't get too personal in my questioning, I think, sometimes with couples, because there's a little bit, bit of me that wants to start being a bit of a, a marriage counsellor, you know, when, when I'm making these shows. Um, because, actually... When people project their lives and lifestyles into this building in which they want to live, it says a lot about what's going on in their relationship. And where some of those aspirations are impossible, actually that's telling us that maybe there are problems with the relationship. So those are the trickiest situations. But the other side of that is that that makes a very interesting television, I think. So... um, but, you know, we have to be careful and sensitive around that as well. We don't want to be um, harsh or um, overly intrusive with people, too. I want to see that. Like, when I see the, you can see, like, what could start to be an argument. Um, that's a, That might be a whole other show that you can pitch to them. But, the, you know, people love the, um, the mess. And how, buying a house is stressful. Um, and, mm. you know... Even when you're you're making money, I remember when Airbnb was just coming out, AL's in New York, I'm in Seattle at the moment, 
and AL went and started, you know, finding ways of getting contracts on all these Airbnbs before they started making regulations. And I'm sure his wife was like, wait, what are you doing? Are you trying to be the Airbnb Donald Trump? But it's difficult to work with anybody, (laughs) you know, business partners, wife, whatever, cousins, brothers. So um, I'd almost want to see the bloopers on that, you know, people arguing. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've tried to sort of push the show in that direction a bit, really, because when I first started on it, it was what I would say very vanilla. And um, it was really about the house tours. And I was quite keen to ask more in-depth questions. And that's definitely the direction the show is going in now. So, you know, um, I'm pushing on an open door with that, really. And I, certainly the feedback I get from the execs is that they like that and they want more of that. So I, and I think, I think that's, that's right. That's the best way forward. Yeah. And, and, you know, we talked about some of the things that you like to do, and it seems like your life, you're doing your purpose, you're doing your passion. And so I always like to try to throw people off and say, hey, you seem to be very connected with the National Landlords Association and doing all your work there. Have you ever thought or been tempted to go into politics so you can push what's wrong in government and say, you know, let's make this right? Has that ever crossed your mind? It absolutely has, yes. And I mean, I have stood as a councillor, we call them here. So that's a local politician. And that was some years ago. Um, and I I just failed to win what would otherwise have been a safe seat. It just so happened that that year, the political party I stood for didn't win that seat. I sort of thought it was a lucky escape because a lot of what councillors do is sort of endless evening meetings and quite a lot of local stuff, some of which is interesting, but some, I think, would be a bit bureaucratic. Um, I'm incredibly frustrated with the UK government and the way that it um, manages housing and the private rented sector. Um, There's such a lack of unjoined-up thinking, and um, they're being very antagonistic towards landlords. We have a real problem in the UK where um, profiting from property is seen as vulgar and People struggle with money-making here in sort of UK culture. Um, So I would love to. I would really love to get more involved in politics. Um, But the main route, of course, is through a party system. And, you know, you basically have to do your dues with that political party and then uh, hope you get offered a safe seat one day, etc., etc. And... Uh, I'm not sure I can see myself doing that, really. So I I guess that's the reason why I'm not involved. Whether I could be brought into, um, you know, co-opted into particular committees or or something like that, or become a government advisor or something like that, I would absolutely love to, you know. um, But I guess that's about who you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know. I just try doing good work with the National Landlords Association, really, to try and improve the private rented sector, and um, raise those issues and, and do my best. Um, beyond that, I don't know if I'd ever managed to get anywhere. Okay. I mean, you you are boots on the ground. You are, are there. And I, I find um, dealing with politics here, and it probably is the same way everywhere. I know in Cameroon, too, it's the same thing. We have these folks who might be 
70 plus who should have retired 20, 30 years ago using old ways to, to try to fix, you know, new problems. And we need people who are active. I would think you'd be a natural fit with your presence. And I don't know, you know, if people recognize you on the street, I'm sure they do in America. I know paparazzi laws are different, but, um, than the UK where they can't bother you as, as much uh, TMZ just can't jump on you, but do they not see your presence um, on TV being, you know, uh, beneficial? Well, actually HGTV hasn't aired in the UK and it's one of the few countries where people don't see the shows actually. So when <laughs> I travel abroad, you know, um, people do recognize it. I only get recognized here by Americans <laughs> that are on holiday, funnily enough. Um, but I would love to make more TV um, and start to make TV that perhaps is a bit more investigative, that asks more questions. Um, I'd love to do that. And I, I hope that's the next step for me because um, I love doing House Hunters. Uh, it's very much entertainment based and it's it's not my show. You know, it's a show that um, involves many, many collaborators. But I'd love to have a show that perhaps, uh, you know, where I'm more central and it's more about my passions than what I'm interested in. Um, but, you know, the television's about collaboration. So it's, uh, you know, there will always be compromises. So it will always be partly about what the network wants, what the production company wants, etc. But, yeah, I, I hope to be able to find more of my voice, I guess, in television that I make in the future. Um, I mean, I have spent many years really campaigning on diversity issues. I was a diversity trainer for many years. And, all, you know, I've run over a thousand diversity courses with different businesses. And that was tough. That was hard work, a lot of repetition, dealing with a lot of um, grumpy people who weren't very interested. Um, but I think, you know, I really was part of the kind of revolution that we've seen here in the UK where um, where society has really opened up in terms of diversity. And I was definitely helping to sort of chip away at discrimination and um, things have shifted a lot here. So I've, I feel politically I've, I've I was one of the foot soldiers, if you like, for want, want a better phrase, that helped to make the world, um, you know, less discriminatory and more open to diversity. Um, but I, I'd love to be a louder voice, you know, in the world of property um, in terms of politics. And who knows, maybe that's something that awaits me in the decades to come. <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure. Now, now, Richard, like some of these things that you're talking about in terms of champion, like, championing uh diversity are these uh are some of those topics um some of like the issues that you talk about on your radio show or is it you know just strictly some of the the elements that are things people should look out for when it comes to just property in terms of diversity i mean it's something i try and thread through everything that i do um and uh, it, it's i mean i'm I'm very interested in how diversity and entrepreneurialism interact, you know, and some of the barriers that discrimination can put in our way. Um, so it's something I'm happy to talk about. I, I don't, I guess because I ran those a thousand courses, I've sort of, there's a little bit of me that stepped back from it now. Um, but it's, it's something that's close to my heart. And in fact, I guess when you're working in property, it's probably there aren't that many opportunities to talk about diversity and the politics of diversity, and that is something that I miss. So I'm probably looking for a place 
to be able to do that again somehow. I mean, I have done mentoring and um, I'm often keen to, um, you know, mentor people from particular communities where I know that they'll be facing barriers. So, you know, there's a kind of personal one-to-one way in which I can help people. Um, so, but, you know, I, I, I'd love to do more actually about supporting people from um, diverse backgrounds in entrepreneurialism. And maybe that's, again, that's something that awaits me in the years to come. Well, we don't just, yeah, get game. We also give game. And that's what diversified game is. It's for folks to hear everyone's story. But with your radio show, um, let the people know where they can see that or hear that, I should say. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's tricky, isn't it? Because, I mean, I do things like I make sure I have um, uh, uh, as many women guests as I can on my show. I try and get people from black and minority ethnic communities as well uh, as guests. And I'm really looking out for, looking for LGBT people. And so I'm constantly looking for people that I could have as guests that are from different communities where I think a lot of people probably aren't, they're not clocking that. But I think it's so important when you spot you know, a really good black speaker or a really good lesbian speaker, you know, to to give them space uh, so their voices can be heard. You know, um, I think we all sort of have a, a role um, in the kind of, um, you know, if we have uh, positions of influence, I guess, in media to make sure we're doing that. Um, so, yeah, I'm very conscious of that. You know, you know, I'm conscious of some of the barriers that I've, faced as well um you know i think those of us that grow grow up on low incomes you know probably don't have that sense of entitlement that people who grow up on on in wealthy families do so we have to try and make up for that i think um i think one of the good things perhaps about being uh, from diverse backgrounds is that we maybe find it easier to break rules and that's that's you know one of the things that makes entrepreneurs successful we have to know know when we've got to follow the rules but we need to know when when is a good time to break them you know it's about navigating the system um i think and if you're a bit of an outsider then sometimes actually that makes you more adept at finding different and new ways of doing things um so but there are also ways in which we have to try and use the system so you know i talked about how i use the education system to get my way into university and do what I really wanted to do. So, um, you know, sometimes we just have to try and fit in and um, and reap the rewards of the system so that we can then choose our own route, I think. And, and where can people hear your radio show? Oh, right. Well, it's at insideproperty.org.uk. Um, I've had a little bit of a break from doing it, but I'm going to be hopefully recording another one next week. So that's about property issues. Um, so I'm probably going to do one next week, which is called the joy of the refurb or renovation. It's pro- probably called more usually in the States because, um, you know, a, a renovation or refurb project can be quite challenging. But there's also a kind of joyous element of it, too. So I'm trying to kind of get three guests together to have a chat about how we find it when, you know, when we tear our hair out and how we try and solve the problems and uh, that bit in the middle when you despair and want to give up, you know, and how you then get from that to the joy at the end when it's all finally finished. So that's probably what my next show will be about. 
yeah i don't you know people who find that fun my father-in-law does and we're 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 building something in cameroon right now i don't ever have to do this again i told my wife um you guys have fun she grew up doing projects like that the joy of having an already made house and being able to relax (laughs) in your office that could be 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 my show but richard i would like to see because you know you have your radio show but um, you you have such an audience, especially in the U.S., that, I mean, having your own YouTube and your even, you know, your own podcast, which now podcasting is paying, you know, on platforms like Anchor.fm that we use. It pays you today with no minimum of anything. Um, you know, it pays you off the views. Have you looked into, you know, doing your own YouTube channel and you know, other things so you can kind of say what you want to say when you want to say it. I have considered that. And I think if I'm honest, the route I'm trying to take is to talk to uh, TV production companies about getting shows commissioned. So I, at the moment, that's my preferred route um, just because I enjoy that collaboration with other professionals and Obviously, the distribution then is is wider if it's through a channel, etc. You know, I feel like I've had some success with House Hunters International, and I would really like to kind of capitalise on that and try and get another TV show or more TV shows. Um, so that's been my strategy at the moment. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I certainly am keeping an eye on the possibility of maybe doing a YouTube channel. Um, I do my show does go out as a podcast. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, one of the issues with, with all that kind of stuff is doing it on your own, you know, and I, I'm someone who likes working with other people and likes bouncing off other people. So I would, I would rather kind of do things and collaborate with other organizations, I guess, which is, you know, why I've taken the approach that I've taken. Yeah, it definitely takes a team to do something like that. I just, for for myself, there's um, YouTubers that we represent, you know, and they have huge, huge followings to be able to um, afford the services, but that we've taken from YouTube to having them have their own beverage company or, you know, different things because YouTube, I think of everything as a stepping stone to the next thing, um, you know, until you can become Lord or, you know, they, they knight you or whatnot. Um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> you can finally relax. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, I guess, I mean, I do, I live off my property business. So I, I suppose maybe it's a negative thing that I'm not necessarily driven by wanting to make oodles of money. Um, so that, I think there's a thing about work-life balance as well, you know, um, I'm a little bit nervous about having a big customer facing business that requires a lot of operational management and so on. Um, One of the good things about having a property portfolio is that it does tick over by and large. I mean, there are moments when, you know, you're quite busy um, with tenant changeovers or if there are a lot of repairs and so on. But I quite like the fact that I can still go away in August and lie on a beach for a week um, and not worry too much about the business do you know what i mean um but yes i mean i i i am conscious of the opportunities to capitalize and um yeah and i know what you mean about the next steps i'm hoping that you know the next step from doing house hunters will be another tv opportunity that will 
take me in another direction. I, I guess that's my hope. Okay, so it, it just it sounds like just having the team and the the framework of knowing your strengths and 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 weaknesses, and then being able to have that team say we'll do that because I know you know I I personally if I ever get to do TV of any sorts, I say, treat me as talent because I'm so used to producing. I will probably just, it'll be a takeover spirit. You'll see a beret on me and I'll have like, you know, a cameraman and a a little band behind me. I need like a good guitarist because I might just start being, you know, TV here is different. When you go to LA, everyone's a star, but it seems like you want to be kind of, treated as the uh, a producer hat and a talent role, but not have to worry about all the scheduling that comes with, you know, putting together quality TV? Oh, not necessarily, no. I mean, I'm happy to, uh, you know, get a commission for a nine-month uh, period making a series where I throw everything into it. I'm absolutely happy to do that. Yes, I'm happy and ready to do that. I mean, at the moment with House Hunters, it's a question of I'm doing an episode next week and that's five days filming, you know, uh, and then that's it. But if I'm making a series, then I, I certainly expect it to be full on and I'm very happy to do that, yeah. Um, but what what I'm a little bit more nervous about is, say, if I had a realtor operation with 13 offices and, um, you know, 40 staff and a turnover of... 15 million and do you know what I mean it's I'm not that's not really the route I want to go down I guess you know I'm quite uh, uh, quite quite a theatre person in many ways or, or TV person I'm used to working in a project-based way and I'm uh, I'd very happily throw myself into a nine-month filming schedule to make a TV series you know that's certainly I'm absolutely ready for that um, yeah so I think the thing is, I'm keen for things to be done to professional standard as well. And I know that's a a tricky concept these days when, you know, everyone is a radio producer and everyone is a TV producer because you can just do it all online. But I'm really keen to work with sort of broadcast professionals and where stuff goes out on on um, networks and so on. I know increasingly that feels more and more old-fashioned, but um, I think that's where I'm at at the moment. Um, I would prefer to do that rather than you know get a mate with a camera and and set up a youtube channel i guess that's what i'm saying but you know i'm thinking on my feet here you know <laughs> so, no, you're asking me stuff i haven't really thought about yeah, you all know that's for the follow-up email when i say richard you gotta do this this is the new opportunity it's gonna make you some money call call me if you need any help so that's why I, <laughs> well i have got tv stuff in the pipeline as well actually so it's just whether it comes off you know i've got four or five um irons in the fire at the moment and we'll see if one of them comes off so <laughs> yes yes no that's 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 awesome and, and i am true to my word in, in keeping the time. So I want to ask you, and it's, it's, it's our closing question. So you make sure you get on the, the train at the proper time and say, that guy talked way too much. Um, we like to know what is your community give back that you're doing? And you kind of talked about the diversity and, and bringing that, how that's important to you, but the community give back that you're doing or that you want to do in the future. Yes, I think what I'm doing is, you know, I, I speak at probably about 30 events every year in London um, to landlords and 
property professionals and so on. So that's about really helping to coach people around good practice. Um, I've also been mentoring um, individuals as well. So I'm meeting somebody tomorrow who's coming down to one of my uh, renovations um, and, uh, you know, helping him understand the business. And um, I'd like to do more mentoring, actually. I'd quite like to do mentoring of young people in my local area. Um, and I guess... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I aim to be a positive role model and I, you know, anyone who gets in touch with me, I, I try to get back to and offer support and advice. So I think it's it's really important to stay connected to people in all the communities with which we interact. And also just to remember that that one thing that you give to someone or say to them could make a big difference for them, you know, be the difference between them having a go at doing something and not. Um, so I, I, I never forget that. Um, yeah, and I, I will definitely find more ways of giving back in, in the years to come. I feel like I'm approaching that phase in my life, you know. I've, I've been through a few years that have been full-on hard work. Um, so... Well, we, we, we thank you for coming on and taking the time and we'll, you know, definitely send you the information when this episode goes out. We'll be looking forward to more TV and talking, talking about you. And, um, you know, if um, if um, there's anything that we can, you know, help you with, please feel free to reach out. I mean that because. Oh, great. I thank you. Love, yes, I love being in the UK so much so that my oldest daughter's name is London and she loves being in London and her little oh, sister. Oh, fantastic. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, you must yeah. let me know if you're over here, you know, we can meet for a beer or, or something. Yeah. Oh, we'll be, we'll be back. Uh, we went a couple, a few months ago and we went to Malta cause that's where, you know, the, the British seemed to relax and we really were yes, like, yeah. yes, we, I said, I, we went, uh, apartment shopping out there because we were shocked of the prices. We had to see if they were real. And um, <laughs> my wife and I, have, yes. <laughs> yes, they're real. And my, my wife and I have jobs where we can work wherever we want to work. Um, so I would definitely let you know um, next time. And maybe we can do this in person. We appreciate you. Don't want you to be late. So everyone. Oh, go to thank Richard. you very much, guys. Yes. Very it's welcome. been lovely chatting to you. And um Yes, some of my answers are very impromptu, but uh, I hope people find them interesting and useful. Yes, well, well, well thank you. RichardBlanco.com, everybody. Go check that out, and um, yeah, have, have a safe, safe trip. Thank you very much. Take care then, guys. All right. Take care. So I think this is a good place to stop our dialogue for this episode and allow you, the listeners, to join the conversation and keep the dialogue going with us online. You can do so by visiting our social media at Facebook, Diversified Game Podcast, on Instagram and Twitter, Game Diversified, online, diversifiedgame.com. In your life with the people around you and or join our Patreon and get some nice perks for being involved. If you found a nugget and are like today's episode, you might as well leave a review. And if you leave a review, you might as well share it. If you share it, you might as well subscribe. And as always, thanks for your support.
Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, Tyson, and AL. The number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.